0: This program is sponsored by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Students and faculty aren't just ready for change at the Scripps College, they're hungry for it. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with 14-year-old Jordan Phillips and her mom, Nicole Phillips, about Jordan's invention that has already raised over $100,000 for cancer research. As of September 1st, her coffee mug cozies are being sold in over 1,500 Walmart stores across the country, with a portion of the proceeds going to breast cancer research. Her quest to raise money for cancer research followed her mother's own bout with breast cancer in 2015. This all came about strangely, I think, is a good way of, of... putting it. Nicole, you've had quite a life. Uh, Miss Wisconsin, uh, news anchor in in Wisconsin, married uh, to a, a basketball coach, high visibility, three children, uh, and then all of a sudden in 2015, things sort of bottomed out, didn't they?
1: Well, they did. I went in for a routine exam on my 40th birthday. I, woke, I went in every year on my birthday because it helped me remember to go and I knew insurance would pay for it. So that was just my annual physical. And in this particular case, this time, the doctor felt a lump in my left breast. Now, I hadn't felt it. I've got no history of breast cancer or really prevalent cancer in my family lineage right. at all. So this this really knocked us upside the head in a in a way that we had never um, thought possible.
0: You had to go through the adjustment and surgery and and probably four months of living hell on earth, uh, but your family did as well.
1: They absolutely did, and you know I, I think we got lucky even because I I didn't have to do the chemo, I didn't have to do the radiation, so. For us, our cancer journey could even be called much easier than many women's breast cancer journeys. But that said, you know, there were um, three different surgeries that I went through that had very long recovery times for all three of them. And here I have a husband and three small children who didn't realize, Jordan said to me once, Mom, I didn't realize everything you do around here uh, until I stopped doing it all. And um, that was telling and that was sweet. But the fact was um, there wasn't anything that they could do to save me. There wasn't anything they could do to make me better. And that was so, so hard on Saul. And it was really hard on the kids, too. They all wanted to just find a way to make it all okay again.
0: Two boys and and a girl. Jordan, are you the oldest? I am. Okay, 13 now, but back when all this happened, you were 11. Uh, how did you feel? Did you feel frustrated?
2: Um, yes, I was frustrated because I wasn't—no one's happy to have to right. watch a parent go through cancer. But I never really liked—I've never liked, even in sports, just— Sitting on the sidelines watching something happen, you know, I want to be in there. And so it was hard for me not to be able to get in there and help her fight. And so that's kind of how the cozies came about. I really wanted to help. And so this was my way.
0: So. You're the oldest, right? So, so you, did you feel that you had to step up among your brothers and and take on a different role during that period of time?
2: Well, they kind of always call me the micromanager because <laughs> <laughs> we do. We call her micromanager
1: because,
2: yeah, because she or,
1: micromanages her brothers and everything else in the household. Yeah,
2: and I, yeah. So
0: and, you just step that up a little bit? Is that what you're telling me?
2: Yeah, I, it's. I did more chores, that's for sure. But, yeah, the amount of times I've heard the phrase, you're not the mom from Uh, my brother's. But you sort of felt like
0: the mom at some point. Yeah, because,
2: you know, she, when mom can't be the mom, it's like, okay, what what goes on now? So that's kind of where. And
0: you stepped up. Mm -hmm. But in addition to stepping up around the house— you, you came up with an idea to help not just your mom, but other people. T- talk about how you even came up with an idea.
2: Well, I kind of say that it just popped into my head one day because I – so the, race, the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure was coming to Athens for the first year. Right. And coming to our town, and I really wanted – to fundraise for that. And so I knew the whole time that I wanted to do something to fundraise. And so, you know, very quickly, the idea of like selling something to help fundraise more came to mind. And then I was on vacation and I saw these cardboard coffee sleeves that had little drawings on them and funny
0: the, the kind that you put on your coffee cup to keep your mm-hmm. hand from getting hot, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay.
2: And it was just cardboard, and someone had drawn on it, and they were selling them. And I thought, this is cool. What if I did that with fabric? Because I've been sewing since I was five, and so it was kind of like, I should try to sew something. And so that's...
0: So it was sort of like, okay, I need something in my wheelhouse of, of yeah. <laughs> expertise, right? And, yeah. That's sewing, and and you thought, well, if people can draw on these sleeves, uh, I can make different designs, right?
2: Yeah, and so I don't draw on my cozies, but, you know, there are fabric patterns and things like that. So each one is unique, just like the cardboard ones.
0: So each one is sort of the extension of your creativity, right? Mm -hmm. So you did this, and how much money did you raise that first time out?
2: The first time my original goal to raise was three hundred dollars because I the so they ask every participant pin and this isn't a requirement before the race for the cure, they want they encourage you to raise $150. Okay. Well my mom said if you're gonna raise money, you might as well raise some for your brothers too. But I was like, Mom, I can't raise $450. <laughs> she so she's like, okay, we'll meet in the middle, 300 And so.
0: You realize that wasn't quite in the middle. <laughs> she, she put a little more on you. Buddy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but when your mom has cancer, you don't fight with her. That's right. <laughs>
0: so what did you end up with? You ended up with more than that, didn't you?
2: So I ended up with $5,741 that first year, which still blows my mind. Like, I don't even know how $300 got to $5,741 like that. But
0: and that was back in uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom, what did you start feeling at that time?
1: Um. Well... I mean, Saul and I giggle about this because, you know, our first reaction to her, she came to both of us separately and said, hey, do you mind if I start sewing these and maybe asking people for a donation in exchange for this thing that I'm going to sew? Well, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, great. Who's going to mail them out? Who's going to publicize it? Who's going to collect the money? Who? It, me, right? That's my job. And I don't have anything left to give at this point. So I say to her okay, Joe, go for it, but this is all on you. You have to understand I can't help with anything. Well, I didn't realize that she had gone to Saul and had this same conversation with Saul. And Saul and I were just talking about it the other day, and he said, you know I'm embarrassed because I said to her, Joe, fine, do whatever you want to do, but really I I don't have a lot of extra resources to give you right now for this. And and so we both kind of— not poo-pooed our daughter's great idea, but we both were like, whatever, you know, it'll be fine. Whatever is fine. If that makes you feel good, go for it. And, you know, I put it up on Facebook the first night that she asked me at 8 p.m. By 8 a.m. we had, how much was it, Joe? $500? $800?
2: $500. And then
1: by the end of the next day, it was around $800. People came out of the woodwork to help and it was just stunning. It was stunning.
0: You were successful and started winning all kinds of awards. The Coman people
1: <laughs> sort of yeah.
0: dubbed you as the top salesperson at 11 years old, right?
1: Yeah. She's kind of the it girl around there. I, I bet. <laughs> uh, you
0: sort of walk on water as you, you go in there. Yeah. Well, not- let, let's flash forward to uh, June of 2016. You and your mom get to go to New York City and yep. speak. Now, by that time, are you 12 yet or are you still 11?
1: 12.
0: 12. 12. Okay, so you're all of a mature 12. And <laughs> you and your mom go to New York City and you give a speech?
2: Yes. So, Tell us about that. Co- Susan G. Komen has partners, that business partners that help, Give and they give large donations. Major corporations, mm, yes, American so,
0: Airlines, and others that uh, like that.
2: Um, but, and so we were there s- every year, they host an event for them called the Partner Summit. And so we were their speakers for the Partner Summit because at the same time, Cohen was launching a new ad campaign for. And I was featured in that campaign. It was called the More Than Pink campaign, and they chose 35 heroes. Um, They called them heroes, and it was people that had
1: helped. They made a significant impact in the world of breast cancer. So we're talking about major researchers like these These. High profile doctors. They and come together. John and... Cena. Well, yeah. And I mean, not even at this particular event, but the people that were these 35 heroes that Komen announced um, They Laura Bush was one of them. John Cena was one of them. Uh, these top ranked doctors and researchers were on this list. And then Jordan Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, we still laugh about that. Well,
0: but. so you were at this, but you were at this gathering and. You had to give a speech, and you were twelve years old, and it, that's got to be intimidating. Were, were you scared?
2: Um. Well, I wasn't
1: really scared. I've I bet your
0: mom was more scared for <laughs> you than I you was. were. I was like, "How, uh. was,
1: how is this going to go?" And I should not have been. I should not have been nervous at all. All what, those times, the what did council you, president. What did you yeah. tell
0: them? I mean, don't give me the whole speech. But what did you tell them? What What went through your mind as to what you wanted to get across?
2: Well, I wanted to show them that they were making an impact with their Their donations and and with their money, you know, because it's not possible without them. And then also, I wanted just to kind of, I don't know, inspire them to do as much as they could do so
0: their you, part. not only did you give your speech, but you tossed out your handmade cozies yes. <laughs> to the audience, right? I mean, yeah. y- you were sort of a, a sales cheerleader, so to speak, yeah. right?
2: Mom walked into my room before and she's like, okay, Jordan, I want you to make cozies and we're going to toss them out. And I was like, That's a lot of sewing. She's like, yep. We we didn't sew
1: one for everyone in the room, but how many did we take along? 50, 75, something like that? A lot. And it it stemmed really from the fact that we wanted people to see that that she was there to inspire and and all of that, but also that we were real people. Um, And one of the ways in which we're real people is that we have. She has a dad who's a basketball coach. So we sit in an arena a lot, and we see t-shirts right. being thrown up a lot. So we thought, well, this would be a cute nod to Ohio University.
0: So you throw out the cozies. You you go home. Yes. Mom's mom's super proud of you. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you go home, and uh, after a while, you get a call.
2: Yes. So. I was driving with my grandparents in the car, okay. and my mom, Both neither of my parents were there. Okay, And they said, okay, time to go on a conference call, and I was like, what? So I get on the phone for this conference call, and on the phone is both of my parents, some people from Su- the Susan G. Komen Foundation, and then also some people from a company called GreenSource and the green source people started talking and they said we want you like we want to help you to get your cozies in walmart and i was like
0: whoa whoa yeah exactly then i started to cry that's a lot of sewing dude
1: (laughs) (laughs) we asked that question right away who's making these cozies yeah
0: so so They've worked behind the scenes uh, for um, a year or so, right? Yeah. And what was the result of that?
2: Getting them in Walmart, <laughs> I guess.
0: And that but starts September 1st.
2: <laughs> September 1st.
0: And and it's not going to be Walmart nationwide, but there are certain Walmart cities. So if people are out there, uh, they should check out their Walmart if they're in Fargo, North Dakota, Charlotte, North Carolina, Vero Beach, Florida, Madison, Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Columbus, Ohio, and Athens, Ohio, and I'm sure there are more.
1: There are uh, more than 1,500 stores nationwide, so it's about a fourth of all the Walmart stores. And
0: so how many do you have to make?
2: Zero, thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) However, Walmart did buy 207,000 cozies, so that is...
0: Two hundred and seventy thousand cozies, and Walmart is selling these, and then donating a large portion of the sales proceeds uh, to the Susan G. Komen uh, Cancer Group. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. So thirty, the, they're selling for a dollar ninety-seven and thirty-five cents of each cozy goes back to the Komen Foundation.
0: Now, but. You haven't stopped there, and and this is the impressive part. Most people would say, "Okay, I'm I'm 13 years old. I've got 270 thousand uh, cozies in 1,500 Walmart <laughs> stores. I, I, I'm I'm done." I, did I see now you're doing bowl cozies?
2: Well, those aren't going in Walmart, but
1: yet. But <laughs> <laughs> and she you, wants to take those to Shark Tank first. And you're, yeah, and, and, I'm and, and
0: you're selling at uh, a, a store that sells products for Ohio, and you're selling online, and all of this uh, uh, again, uh, the majority of it going to to the charity, and you're incorporated.
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> you're
0: you're a business now. It is is legal. that right?
1: Well, it was pretty interesting when we were at the partner summit, there were several female entrepreneurs who were there and they said, hey... Um, you know, how is Jordan? What's Jordan's business model? How is she breaking this down? What does each cozy cost? And I looked at him like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, I have no idea. She just goes up in her room and sews. They said, Well, where does she get the fabric and the buttons and the elastic? And I Anywhere. said, I buy it for her. Whatever, <laughs> you know. And they're like, You need to teach your daughter how to set this up as a real business uh, because this will be an asset for her long term. And so that's what we did. We used the resources at Ohio University, and they they helped us create an LLC. It is it has Jordan's name all over. Over it.
0: So, how does that make you feel?
1: Good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's...
0: You feel like you've really accomplished something. Yeah. Plus, you've got something I over mean... on your brothers, right? Because they're exactly, not—they're not part of your business, right? Yeah. When
2: it's all said and done, that's really—that's really—that's
0: really, <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really <laughs> the it's bottom really... line. Yeah. Right? We'll be back after this message. At the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University, students and faculty aren't just ready for change, they're hungry for it. The Scripps College was awarded $878,000 by the Ohio University Innovation Strategy Program for an immersive media initiative that will allow students to become skilled leaders in immersive media, especially virtual and augmented reality. The college's game research and immersive design lab will serve as the hub for the initiative and provide several million dollars worth of gear, processes, intellectual property, award-winning scholars, and partnerships for the project. Learn more at ohio.edu Scripps College. Let's talk about, though, the the emotional part of all of this. And let's go back to you, Nicole. You're uh, an author, a a public speaker. Um, You've written a book, uh, Kindness is Contagious. Um, During your struggles, you found the sort of magic bullet, so to speak, in in your – Adherence and Advocacy for Kindness. Uh, I want you to talk about that a little bit. But but also, how did was that inspired by Jordan? How does that work into what Jordan's doing? How does that intertwine?
1: Well, I think for me, um, kindness is an element of it. But for me, what it shows to not only me, but to anybody looking on, um, I think it's a valuable reminder that Pain and joy exist simultaneously, always. You know, Mr. Rogers' mom used to say to him in the middle of tragedy, look for the helpers. And so all of us are going to experience pain in our lives in some way, shape, or form. But if we can find the silver lining, if we can see the helpers, if we can look for the uh, all of that, there's great joy in there. Um, so... I just feel like that, that's, that's the biggest takeaway from it. Now, as far as the kindness element goes, I really, I'm such a strong advocate for kindness because I believe it can transform a sad life, a passionless life, but it can also transform a sad day. And I found that when I was diagnosed with cancer because May of 2015, when I'm waiting for this news to come back, and then when I get the news, I tried to be brave. There were a lot of days where I just tried to hold up my chin and and keep on a brave smiley face. But, you know, there were many days when I woke up with a dark cloud over my head. And those were the days when I needed to use kindness as my own personal form of chemotherapy. I needed to go out and do an act of kindness intentionally out of my comfort zone so that I would forget about me. And I would all of a sudden realize that there's a whole big world out there and that we are here to love each other.
0: You said in a recent column, you write a a weekly column for newspapers in in North Dakota and other places, but you said that some days, I thought it was interesting the way you said it, some days you either can't find or you've lost your brave.
1: Mm, Yeah. I thought
0: that was a very interesting way of, of Talking about
1: that, yeah, and I was referring back to when right before I had my reconstructive surgery, and you know, like I said, I I thought I was awfully strong and brave. Lots of days, I had a really strong support system, um, but then there are those days that you wake up and you wonder, um, how am I going to get through today? How am I going to do this? How am I going? Um, how am I going to make it? And. And that's when it feels like you've lost your brave. That's like when it feels like it's run away and you can't find it. And on those days, um, kindness comes in awfully handy.
0: Did you take any inspiration on those days or other days from your daughter and the way she was approaching things?
1: Oh, absolutely. All three of my kids. Because Jordan's doing something big, and with Jordans, I can look at what she's doing, and I can see all the people who have donated and all the people who have used their resources to make this happen, but then my boys, you know, I have my my middle son, Charlie, would come, and he would crawl into bed next to me, and he would just talk. He'd tell me all about his day, and it was precious time, and my youngest son, Ben, would come around the other side of the bed where on on the other side from my surgery, and he would tuck under my arms real gently so as not to harm me and hurt me. Um, and he would just lay there, and he would just, you know, snuggle in and play with my hair, and um, so inspiration came from all three of my children in very different ways.
0: This whole kindness uh, project—I uh, I don't know how to <laughs> characterize a project. I sure. guess is is uh, passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jordan. Uh, You've not only done this yourself, but you've recruited others. Don't you? Don't you have a sewing group still in North Dakota where you used to live? And and how did you get them involved? Did you sell them on, <laughs> that they were doing acts of kindness, or or did you bribe them? How did you get them <laughs> involved? And how many are helping you?
2: So it actually starts back when I was five years old I got my first sewing machine and our family friends own a sewing machine shop and so we got the sewing machine from them and you know I've been friends with their daughter since before I could walk yeah right it's been a very long friendship so when I started sewing these cozies. Her mom was, and her, they said, we want to help. Because the first month, I was like, yeah, let's go. And then more orders started coming in, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And so they helped by not only putting the cozies in the in their shop, which was major for donations, but they helped keep me on track and just motivate me. They all it was a group of what?
1: I think 10? there were ten of them. Yeah. And it's my friend Girls? Andrea, it's her husband who owns the sewing machine store. So they've got all these sewing machines there. And so they brought in Uh, Jordan's friend and you know nine of her girlfriends and they sat him down at sewing machines and said let's do this and the girls were all into it they call themselves um, JoJo's Cozy Tribe.
0: Kindness is sort of like throwing a pebble in the middle of a a pond and the ripples you get the ripples from your idea of kindness and the donation and making the cozies and your whole concept when you ran into a tough time you had people extend kindness to you and step up and help you at the same time you were extending kindness to cancer victims and their families uh, through your donations. It seems like one thing leads to another, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: exactly. And you, if you watch kindness, you're like, oh, I want to do that too. And so then It really started with the kindness of the Komen Columbus people supporting my mom and me and my family through this time. And then all of a sudden, I started fundraising for them. And it's just when you lend a helping hand, you don't know what effect that's going to have. But how
0: does it make you feel? Great. Keeps you going.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: So what's next for you? Do you know?
2: I I don't know whatever ends up happening. People ask me, how far do you see this going or how long until you think you're just going to be done? And I said, until cancer is cured, until breast cancer is cured. I don't want to stop. So... That's kind of the ultimate goal.
0: Sounds like you're on a mission.
2: Yeah. So watch out, breast cancer. I'm
0: coming. <laughs> Mom, that's got to make you feel pretty good.
1: Oh, I'm the proudest mama around. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, you know, Tom, it's going to sound crazy, but I wouldn't trade this breast cancer diagnosis. I would, not, I would not trade, you know, they can have my breast. I don't care but don't take this experience away from my daughter because this is just the coolest thing ever. It, it made it, it made it worth having breast cancer.
0: Two quick things before we wrap up. And, and that is you're Nicole, you're working on a photographic project. Yes. Tell, tell us about that because uh, that's certainly a different approach.
1: Yeah, I'm working on my second book. Now, this is the book that I wanted to read when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I wanted to see what it looked like to have a mastectomy or a lumpectomy or whatever and the process of reconstruction on a real woman's body. Well, now, if you Google that, you end up with surgical hack jobs and you end up with pornography. And I didn't want to fill my brain with either of those. And um, so I called a girlfriend of mine who is a professional photographer. And I said, listen, I want you to take some pictures for me. And they're going to be graphic and they're going to be gross. And you're going to have to come with me to Columbus. And she said, I am all in. And so her name's Ann Fredericks. And so she's from the Athens, Ohio area. And we went on this mission together to just document everything, everything along the way. And now we are asking other women who have had different surgical options than I've had to um, give me their photos, allow us to photograph them um, basically from the shoulder to the waistline. Um, no faces, no names. We just want people, women, who are going to be diagnosed to be able to see what it looks like on a body.
0: You want a real story.
1: I want a real story. Mm-hmm.
0: Not not illustrations or... Medical you know,
1: diagrams, yes.
0: It's so difficult to find information sometimes that's credible or that speaks to it speaks to a person. You, know, yeah. you You can get overly clinical stuff or, as you say, you can get the, the, the aberrations, the hack jobs or whatever. But it's very difficult to get real-life information.
1: That's right. That's right. And so now we're just um, – I uh, have an agent and we're looking for a publisher and um – that's that's where we're going.
0: Meanwhile, uh, we're working together on a project, and and you're going to be launching a new podcast in uh, a month or so.
1: I cannot even wait. It's called the Kindness Podcast, and I interview different experts in the field of kindness and people who are just who have done just really awesome kind things, and they come on and they share their stories, and I I just. I'm so motivated. Every time I talk to somebody, I'm so inspired um, by the goodness in this world. And so I just hope that that, that um, kind of oozes out onto other people as they listen.
0: Well, stay with us here at Spectrum and at WOUB.org, and we'll be giving you information about the launch of this new podcast, and you'll be able to get it through all your national podcast services. So we can't wait either. It's it's going to be really s- something but we don't want to take away from you. Congratulations, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, th- th- this is an amazing, amazing effort on on your part. Um, it, and I, I'm sure you've thought about other things that you can do. This is just the start, right?
1: Absolutely. So. Walmart says they, they have an actual specific... You know, they have a plan. They have a plan. (laughs) They say, if you sell this many, then we're going to bring you back and we want you to tell us other product ideas that you have. So she's keeping those, you know, under her hat right now until we see how these sell. And hopefully they they go like gangbusters and Walmart can't wait to meet with Jordan once again.
0: Do you have time for eighth grade schoolwork?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning yes. of the year. So
0: far, Got to so fit that in. <laughs> Jordan, thank you for talking with us. We thank really you. appreciate everything you've done.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And, Nicole, we can't wait to launch your new podcast. Me
1: neither. Thanks, Tom.
0: Today we've been talking to 14-year-old Jordan Phillips and her mom, Nicole, about Jordan's quest to raise major funding for cancer research. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, Please direct them to me by email. That email address is at Ohio dot edu. That's Hudson, hodson at ohio.edu. That's Hodson, H O D S O N, at ohio.edu.